Uh, today we are embarking upon a new series that will take us through Christmas, and this series has a one-word title, so everybody should be able to remember it. If I ask you what series are we in, you should be able to remember this. The series is simply titled, Remember, Remember. There are places in the Bible, many places, where the scriptures re, uh, appeal to us to remember things. And this series is going to take a look at several of those places uh, throughout Scripture. There are certainly more of them than what we can cover in any one series, but we're going to consider several significant appeals to remember that we find in the Bible. Remembering is a really important thing. And perhaps the most famous quote regarding remembering is credited to the Spanish uh, philosopher George Santayana, who said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. How many of you have heard uh, that quote before? It's very, very famous. Uh, it's a great statement that emphasizes the importance of remembering. One of the powerful things about remembering is that it can improve our lives both now and in the future. While forgetting things from the past can compromise and harm our lives now and in the future. Remembering important things has the ability to change our attitudes and to change our behaviors. Let's consider what it means to remember something, and then I can illustrate how remembering can change our attitudes and our behavior. To remember something is to call it to mind. There's information that we all have. It's, it's in our mind. It's in our memory banks, so to speak. But because we can't simultaneously be thinking about everything we know, our minds can't actively think about everything in the memory banks all the time. And so to remember something is to call it to mind. It's to pull thoughts out of the memory files and to actively fix our thoughts on those things that we retrieved from the memory files in our brain. When things are somewhere in our memories but we're not actively thinking on them, they're accessible to us, but they really aren't a part of us in any meaningful way, at least not in a way that's going to make any positive difference in our lives. So to remember is to bring those things back to ourselves. It's kind of like they got away from us, and now we're bringing them back to us. Look at that. I didn't even have to ask, and these nice people are bringing me honey water. It looks very gross, the honey water does. Let's see, hold on a second. Very hot honey water. <laughs> All right, we'll see if that helps. Hold on. All right, now I have a burned tongue and I cannot continue. So have a good day, everybody. All right. So I'm probably going to kick that over. This is going to be a lot of fun around here today. So um, 
I doubt that it's uh, part of the etymology of the word, but maybe it should be. I think of remembering as remembering. So, so something was a part of me. I, I lost it. It escaped me. It got away. And now I'm bringing it back to myself. I, I'm making that thought a part of myself again. I'm remembering it to myself. And remembering things has greater power than just creating warm feelings uh, as you reflect on good past experiences. Remembering has the power to change our attitudes and to change our behaviors in the present. And so let me just share a couple of examples of how this works. Throughout the years, there have been a number of occasions where Either my mother has sent me a picture of myself from earlier in my life. Uh, she does this quite frequently, actually. Uh, or I just, you know, through cleaning out a closet or something like that, I stumble upon a picture of myself or my family from years ago. And what happens when I begin to look at that picture is it brings to mind the period of time when that picture was taken. And so I'll start to scroll through the memory files of that period of time in my life. And on several occasions as I've been doing this, I've remembered something that God did in my life around that time, or I've remembered an answered prayer that I received around that time, or I've remembered something nice that somebody did for me uh, during that season of life. And these things have happened at times when I've seen these pictures and gone through the memory files at times when maybe my confidence in God's power to change circumstances in my life had grown weak. And so seeing these pictures and going through the memory files and pulling up some of these memories reminded me of what God had done in my life back then the answer to prayer I received back then, and it encouraged me and helped my confidence in God to grow in the present. Or maybe these pictures have come to me and I've gone through the memory files at, at times when maybe I was feeling a little bit down, feeling a little bit lonely, maybe feeling mistreated, and perhaps remembering the simple kindness of a person from long ago encouraged me in that moment as I'm looking at the picture and accessing the memory files, it encouraged me, don't give up on people. It, it reminded me that everybody isn't mean. There are good people who care. And I was reminded in a way that brought encouragement in the moment. I've also had it happen during seasons of life where I wasn't walking very close to the Lord, where I've seen a picture of myself from childhood. And I've remembered and reflected on the innocence of childhood, the wonder of childhood, the simple faith that I had as a child. And even though I could not undo the loss of innocence, even though I could not undo the loss of wonder, it caused me to cry out to God to restore things that had been lost. It caused me to cry out to God, much like the psalmist David did, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Renew that spirit that I 
how does a child renew that in me? Restore my heart. Restore my sense of wonder and awe. Restore my faith. Maybe some of you have had similar experiences to that. Don't ever look at a picture and just say, oh, it's a picture, nice picture. Allow it to cause you to go through the memory files and pull out things that might be helpful to you in the here and now. Many of us have probably had the experience of modifying our behavior because we remembered sometimes at the very last second that we didn't just represent ourselves, but we represented our family or our church or our business our God. I don't know about you, but at times remembering my family has altered my behavior. And most of us have had that experience. You can be just about to do something that would bring dishonor on your family or your business or your church because you were only thinking of yourself. But then you bring to mind your family. You remember your family. You were only thinking about yourself, but now you bring to mind your family, and it alters, it changes your actions. Remembering has tremendous ability to positively impact our attitudes and actions, to change our attitudes and actions of the present, and that's what this series on remembering is about. And today, to start the series, I want to share the appeal to remember that is most prevalent in the Scriptures. Over and over again throughout the Bible, we see the appeal to remember the great things God has done. We see from the lives of the people in the Bible, and we see it in our own lives, that we have a tendency to forget about the good things God has done. And so over and over in Scripture, it appeals to us to remember the works of God. And so today I want to look at a few passages that appeal to us in this way. We see this appeal in Psalm 105, 1 through 7. Here's what we find. I think it'll be on the screen behind me. If not, I promise to read it correctly. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to his name. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Verse 5. Remember the wonders he has done his miracles and the judgments he pronounced, you his servants, the descendants of Abraham, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Verse 5, remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. In the 105th Psalm, the psalmist reflects on the period of time from God's covenant with Abraham through the time when God brought his people into the promised land. In this psalm, he is recounting the mighty works of God throughout the history of Israel. 
And so if you read through the entirety of the 150, uh, 105th Psalm, you find things like this. Verse 14, for the sake of his people, God rebuked kings. Verse 24, in Egypt, God made his people very fruitful and too numerous for their foes. While they were slaves, God made them too numerous and made them very fruitful so that their foes were concerned about them. The psalmist tells of the deliverance from Egypt and all God did to set his people free from Pharaoh. And I'm not going to list all of these things, but here are a few of them. God sent darkness on Egypt. He sent the plague of frogs, hail, and locusts. And on and on it goes until finally he brought Israel out of slavery. Verse 36. He provided food for them in the wilderness. Verse 40. He brought water out of rocks so they could drink. Verse 41, and on and on the psalmist goes, listing the mighty works of God for his people throughout their history. The psalmist is calling these acts of God to mind. And as he does, he expresses praise to God. When he thinks of what God has done throughout the history of Israel, it causes him to praise. And I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that the psalmist focuses on God's mighty deeds throughout the history of his people. He doesn't limit his reflection on the mighty acts of God to the last five minutes, the last two weeks, or the last three years. Many of us, I'm afraid, sit around questioning the power and goodness of God because it's been a minute or two since God did something that got our attention. You know, something more than sustaining the universe we live in and giving us every breath that we have breathed. Something more than that. You know, something bigger than those things. It's been a minute since we've seen God do more than just sustain our lives. And so if we can't find something dramatic that God has done in the past two days, five weeks, or three years, we start worrying and fretting and questioning where is God. But when we stop allowing the present to be all there is, and we remember all that God has done throughout our lives, throughout the lives of our parents, our grandparents, all that God has done in the history of the church, when we call to mind all that God has done. When, when we remember his mighty acts over some period of time longer than the last two minutes, the evidence of God's power and wonders and mighty deeds is overwhelming. But we have to be intentional to remember, to call it to mind. And when we are, when we look at the work of God over years, when we lift our eyes beyond the here and now, and we remember all that God has done in our lives, the lives of those around us, the history of the church, the evidence we find demands that we praise him and our faith and our confidence in God grows. And so we need to do what the psalmist did, what he appeals for us to do, 
we need to remember, call to mind, God's mighty works. Like the psalmist, we should write them down. They should be passed from generation to generation. I'll talk more about that in the next point of the message. Almost none of us do this, but we should. We have to remember God's mighty deeds, bring them back into our consciousness, and when we do, we're encouraged. Our confidence in God increases the results in praise to God. So what has God done for you? Remember it. Call it to mind. Actively think of the goodness of God in your life. And if you're having trouble, you can start by remembering and thanking him again for salvation. Because friends, here is a true statement. If God never does anything else for any of us, he deserves our praise forever and ever because he saved us. By the way, I'll just mention to those in the booth that I'm cold, and that's almost never happened. So I think it's cold, and I saw Paul here cuddling up with his blankie, and it, uh, it, it, it clued me in that it might be really cold in here. <laughs> so so uh, if you can adjust that a little bit, that would be great. <laughs> I noticed I was cold about the time I saw you doing that, Paul. So the second passage for consideration today is Exodus 13, 3 through 16. I'm only going to read verses 3 and 14, but I encourage you to read the whole thing on your own. And I believe the screen is going to show this from two different translations. Verse 3. The English Standard Version shows verse 3 this way. Then Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. And the NIV translates it, uh, verse 3, this way. Then Moses said to the people, commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. So both translations show an encouragement to remember what God did for the people of Israel when he delivered them from slavery in Egypt. But the NIV, which I think is probably the better translation for the context of chapter 13, it goes beyond just remembering and encourages the people to commemorate their deliverance from Egypt. You know, we can think of uh, commemorate can be thought of as very similar to remembering, but it actually goes beyond remembering. At least in our usual usage of the word, to commemorate something is to find a way to keep an important event from slipping from our minds. And, and we commemorate important things by putting them on our calendar, setting a time to think about and focus on them, much like our nation does with certain uh, important holidays and things that we want to remember, things like Memorial Day, things like Veterans Day, where we, we mark the calendar with these things because we want to always remember them. We commemorate things with plaques, we commemorate things with memorials, and, and so on. In Exodus 13, the people of Israel are given specific instructions on creating a commemoration of their deliverance from Egypt. 
And, and if you read through that, you'll see the instructions. Like, it's to be a celebration that spans days. And it has specific instructions on what to eat during the celebration and what types of sacrifices are to be made uh, during the celebration. Sacrifices of all the firstborn livestock are to be made during this uh, commemoration. And people are to consecrate, dedicate their children to the Lord when they commemorate their deliverance from Egypt. So this whole event, this whole celebration is put on the calendar to commemorate the mighty act of God in delivering the people from Egypt. A commemoration is a great way to avoid forgetting something important, but to keep it front and center in our lives. And one of the great benefits of such a commemoration is that it connects children to the great things that God has done in the history of their people that they did not personally witness. Verse 14, in days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. We have to share the stories of what God has done in our history. It's not all about this moment. It's what has God done over time. And so we need to remember and commemorate the great things God has done. Not only will that encourage our faith and increase our confidence, but it exposes children to the works of God that they would not know if we did not choose to commemorate those things. Few of us, I would venture to say almost none of us, do this. And it is to our detriment. We all should consider trying to correct this oversight and begin to create commemorations for God's work in the life of our family, our extended family, the churches we've been a part of. We should commemorate God's work in our lives throughout our history. They were to commemorate their deliverance from Egypt. What has God delivered you from? Remember it. Commemorate it. All of us who have received Christ as Savior, he delivered us from the penalty of sin. He set us free from our debt. He's given us eternal life. Commemorate the day that you received Jesus as Savior. Some people call that their spiritual birthday. Commemorate it. Mark that day on your calendar and talk about it when it rolls around every year. Some of us have been delivered from drug addiction, from depression, from low self-esteem, from sexual sin, from anger, from fear. What has God delivered you from? <clears throat> Remember it. Commemorate it. It'll change your attitude. It'll change your actions. It'll build faith in your family and friends as you commemorate God's work in your life and the lives of those around you. And our third passage for today, Psalm 143, 1 through 5. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. 
Do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like parched land. In these verses, we see that we need to remember what God has done in the past during tough seasons where we are not seeing God intervene like we would like him to. It's obvious the psalmist, which in this psalm is David, is in a time of trouble. You, you, can, you can hear it in the text. Hear my cry for mercy. My enemy pursues me. My spirit grows weak and my heart is dismayed. Please note, this is David. Killed Goliath, David. David, the great warrior. Saul has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. David, the great king. David, of whom Jesus is said to be the son of David. It's this David that we see right here in a season where he did not see God doing what he hoped and desired for God to do. I think, sorry, I'm going to have to take a drink. Some people who can just take a quick drink and keep going, it's like a whole big production for me. I don't know what the deal is. I think we think of the Old Testament figures as though everything in their lives was one constant miracle after another. One constant dramatic intervention of God after another, nonstop. That wasn't how it was. They had hard times when it seemed as though God was silent, just like we do. And David shows us what to do when times are tough and we're not seeing God do what we'd like him to do. He says in verse 5, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works. And I consider what your hands have done. God, I am not seeing you move right now. But I remember all your works. I know what you have done. Again, we have to remember that this moment is not all there is. God moves and works in the lives of people across years and decades. And he works on behalf of people groups across centuries and millennia. When we start to feel like God doesn't do anything, we need to remember all his works. We need to remember all that his hands 
have done. We remember it isn't all about this moment. It's about what God has done across time, what God has done in history, our history, and all of history. We remember what God has done, and then David writes, I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like parched land. I believe this is an appeal to God to do what he's done in the past again. It's like David saying, God, I remember all your works. I consider what your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you. I appeal to you. Show your power again. Do it again, God. As we remember God's work in the past, our confidence grows that what he has done before, he can do again. What has God done in your life before? He can do that thing again. Maybe he delivered you from something, but you've allowed yourself to become bound by that thing again. He can deliver you again. He did it once. He can do it again. Maybe he healed your marriage, but now through time and circumstances, your marriage has come to a bad situation again. God can heal it again. Maybe you used to be overcome by fear and God set you free from fear, but life and circumstances and the ridiculous internet have caused fear to visit again. And its grip is tightening down on you. God can deliver you from fear again. Be faithful in your trouble. But remember what God has done and know that he can do it again and begin to appeal for him to do it again. When we ask God, do it again, we're expressing confidence in his love and care and his ability to come through for us yet again. The final passage I want to look at today is Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. This is a set within the Ten Commandments, and here's what these verses say. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So verse 15 instructs them to remember that they were slaves in Egypt, that God had brought them out of there with his mighty hand, his outstretched arm. He delivered them. And because of that, So remember this, and therefore, so because of that, because of that deliverance, they're to observe a day of rest. What's the point of that? Here's what I believe the point of it is. We can have times of rest because everything does not depend on us. God is our provider. 
Here's what's key in that. God delivered them. They did not deliver themselves. God did it. And here's what this teaches us. And here's what taking times of rest teaches us. That we are not on our own as we walk through life. And that everything that needs to happen and everything we need to do and everything that needs to be accomplished in our lives, it does not all depend upon us. God is our provider. And so we don't have to work frantically nonstop as if everything rests on us. It doesn't. God is our provider. And so we can rest. When we remember and commemorate God's mighty works and how he's delivered us in the past, when we remember God during tough seasons and remember what he's done before, he can do again. And when we remember that everything doesn't rest on us because God is our provider, then we can praise God for his power and greatness, whatever our current circumstances. It changes our attitude in the here and now to remember God's mighty works. Psalm 150, 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In our conversations, in our singing, in our music, in how we live our lives, may it be true of us that we join with everything that has breath and we praise God for his surpassing greatness. We can do it when we remember. When we remember. I want to encourage you with something today, with the remainder of our time here together, and I'll invite the worship team to slip one up here, with the remainder of our time together, And I want to encourage you every Sunday when you come to church. And we enter that time where we do what's said in here. We praise God in his sanctuary. We praise him with, well, we don't have a trumpet. But we praise him with instruments. We praise him with singing. I want to encourage you that every time we gather together to do that, that you remember God's work in your life, God's work in the life of your family, the good and great things that God has done for us, and allow your heart to overflow with praise to God. Remember his mighty works. Why don't you stand with me?